return you now to your regularly scheduled program. Hey everybody, this is Josh Martin. And I'm Marty Hyde. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Tattoos and Jesus podcast. I am very happy to be here. Here at TNJ, we seek to blend the righteous with the ridiculous. Please explain. We discuss coffee, counseling, Christianity, and whatever else crosses our mind. We hope you enjoy. Okay, let's go. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Tattoos and Jesus. We have upgraded here at the show, and uh, Josh Martin is no longer with us. <laughs> um, we have recruited a fill-in this week from the Going Places podcast, Camden Clark. How are you today, brother? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Josh is not... I mean, he's still with us. He's, he's still our show anchor but he decided to take a trip to new york city with his wife how strange you know i know what a weirdo (laughs) have you ever been to new york city no you haven't Mm -mm. i remember i've been to new york city twice the last time i went was in the 11th grade i think it was i went with like my high school and i remember thinking the 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 city just smelled bad yeah and i was like i will never ever go back to new york city what year was this when what what year was this don't you're gonna embarrass me? No, I'm trying to think. Um, like, I'm trying to look at the dynamic of it. What year was this? 2004. Okay, that sounds about right. What do you know about New- the smell of New York City in 2004? Well, I'm just saying. No, you you had a lot of. Uh, it started to kind of get back to the way it was in the 70s around that time. That was kind of the beginning of where New York City's at now. Oh, just as far as like poverty and like yeah, cleanliness. Well, I just know it smelled funny, and I swore I'm never going back. That said, I want to like go back. Twenty I mean, years I later, I'd go back in a heartbeat. I think I would enjoy it more now. I think I was just my r- brother went. I would ridiculous. love to go. Like it's pretty cool. I'm a city boy. You're a city boy. Yeah. You live in freaking Blacksburg, I know. South Carolina. I know, and that's part of in here. That <laughs> you take me to downtown Greenville, I'm at home. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, not, I'm not about the country. But you chose to have Daniel as your co-host, who's like the biggest redneck ever? <laughs> I don't know what he is. That's I mean, the boy rocked a mullet. I think that's more of a cultural thing. Is that cultural? That's that's just, he's the product of his environment, I think. <laughs> well, listen, Which is a the, good thing. One of these days, I'm going to have Daniel on the show. But yes. today being election day, I know that you're big into politics, and so that's yeah, why man. I asked you to be on the show. But tell, tell us, because... We've talked about the Going Places podcast. Yeah. Um, I know that you have had Josh and I on. Many times. Um, but what is the Going Place? Tell us, introduce who you are so that all of our listeners know um, who you are and what y'all are about. Yeah, okay. So uh, my name is Camden Clark, but uh, we started the Going Places podcast in April of 2021. Uh, me and my friend Daniel Price, and it kind of started just over, you know, conversations that we had had just hanging out, and it kind of morphed into, you know what, we should start a podcast, and we talked about it for a while, but once we really started doing it, we were recording in the youth room at our church on his cell phone, and we would talk about, you know, whatever we wanted to, whatever our thoughts. year started on a cell phone? Yeah. And it would be whatever our 13-year-old... 12-year-old self was into at that time, whether it was football, whether it was our, you know, our understanding of, you know, some deeper topics like, you know, politics and theology and whatever, but I think we've educated a lot more. 
it really went from there. So we went from that. We now have our uh, own studio room at the church. We have mics, and we've had a lot of cool guests. You know, we, uh, you know, kind of me, I'm, I'm kind of more into the uh, political and uh, theological stuff. I also love music and art. Uh, he's, uh, we also talk a lot of sports. He's into athletics and things like that. So between the two of you, you cover almost any topic. Yes. That's what's great about us. Yeah. So we do that. We've had a lot of guests. We've had anyone from you guys to pastors and musicians and politicians. And we've had a lot of good opportunities. We just finished our election day coverage and mm-hmm. I moderated a state house primary debate back in June that was on the episode. So, yeah. How? Okay. So you bring up a good point. Yeah. Today is election day, right? So, yes, so. when the show is released... It'll be a couple days past election day, and so the results will already be out and stuff. But yeah. politics are on our minds. Absolutely. I think mainly the ending to cheesy ads is what most people are going to be excited Hopefully. about. Hopefully. Um, but you're big into politics. Yeah, man. How, like, where did that, like, come from? Like, where did the desire, because to me, politics is a really good place just to, like, hate life. But you enjoy it. Yes. So I think there's a lot of people that do let it make them hate their life. But if you want to know, is basically your question is, how did I get interested in that? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That started like 10 years ago. 10 uh, years ago? Yeah, 2012 presidential election. Uh, it was something while I was in kindergarten. I've always been a big history fan, and we learned the pretty basic about the presidents. We studied Lincoln and Washington in kindergarten. And I memorized all the U.S. presidents at five years old, all 44 of them at the time. And you might see, okay, what does that really have to do anything? But I just immediately became interested in government and how our system works. So I think that was part of it, too. And then also, um, we took a trip to the state house in second grade. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I don't even know if that's really where it started. I think Hold I on. just naturally... Can you, can you still name all the presidents? Absolutely. Do it. Okay, you got like two minutes. Okay, George Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson, Morton Van Buren, William Henry Harrison, John Tyler, James K. Polk, Zachary Taylor, 13th, Millard Fillmore, Franklin Pierce, James Buchanan, Abraham Lincoln, Andrew Johnson, Ulysses Grant, Rutherford Hayes, James Garfield, Chester Arthur, uh, Grover Cleveland, Benjamin Harrison, Grover Cleveland again, William McKinley, Theodore Roosevelt, William Taft, Woodrow Wilson, Warren G. Harding, Calvin Coolidge, Herbert Hoover, FDR, Harry Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, uh, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, Joe Biden. Dang. Yeah. Like, you didn't even sing a song. I feel like most no. people know those things because they sing like... No, I just read a book. You just read a book. Yeah. But no, it was that, and I've just always been interested in how the system works. I got an opportunity uh, in eighth grade to take government civics, and I was kind of interested in it, but it really wasn't a big part of my life. And about this time, two years ago, I really started getting involved with it, started following it, mm-hmm. and uh, got the opportunity to really network with some people. And I have a lot of good opportunities that I'm pursuing right now with mm-hmm. uh, the county party, with uh, some town government stuff, and I plan on pursuing a career on it. A career? Maybe not a career. Through my life. Okay. 
You got to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're here today to make an announcement. No, no. What? How? Um, are your parents into politics, or is this separate from any like influence? Like, I'm not saying yeah, do they totally. have an opinion, but like, are they active in? in My their... dad, uh, he he knows what goes on. He knows what goes on. But growing up, it wasn't something that was talked about every day. Uh, my mom yeah. was into it like back in the day. And then I think I kind of, I credit myself with uh, getting her back into it because she's very into it. And what's really interesting is that a lot of times, especially in the core, me and Hulk can kind of have discussions about it and see what we agree and don't and just uh, really build off mm-hmm. each other on that. But we'll watch like uh, debates together and things like that. So they, they definitely, I mean, they vote. They have understanding of politics, but I definitely crafted it on my own. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think like, cause I'm the opposite. Right. Like I, I knew, like I understood politics yeah. growing up. My parents sh- shared very little about politics mm-hmm. and, um, like I hear comments every now and then, like I know where my dad stands. I know where my mom stands. Uh, but it was never really a discussion. If anything, it was just kept kind of private, Sure, which is, I would say is people either kind of take to one extreme or the other. Yeah. They either show their hand to nobody or they put bumper stickers everywhere. Yeah. Um, is, there's not a whole lot of middle ground. I would say I'm the middle ground. You you think you're the middle ground? If what you, is middle ground? What if is, we were to go to hang out, I can, you know, say my opinions on the podcast. I can walk incredibly hard at whatever project I'm working on at the time. But if you and me were to go out to dinner right now or go hang out, I'm not talking about politics. You're not going to force the conversation. No, I don't even like love talking about it just all the time with like my friends. Yeah. And that's a good point because I think those are the people that are annoying. Yes. If you can't get through a conversation with them. It's like they enter into every conversation with an agenda. Yes. It's like, man, this guy is blue. Yeah, it's freaking liberals. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What just happened? Like, how did Thanks, you Biden. Just, right. That's God made it. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> Even though, I will say, though, uh, those little stickers that they make that are like, thanks, Biden, or Trump saying, like, I did this. Like, that's funny. It, it, like, it's really funny. And I think that's where I get into problems. Yeah. Is I don't care about politics as as much as i think care about funny lines yes and so i can become a democrat if it means that i can say something funny yes and i can become a republican if it means the joke lands yes and then people are like oh my i can't believe you'd believe this i don't believe it you I just, just like that it. was an opportunity for a joke and i'm yeah. gonna take it i definitely enjoy poking fun at both sides yeah. because both extremes are crazy mm-hmm. and they're all counterparts to each other on the other side you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm like, like I would like, I would lean more on the right, but at the same time, there's some people who are way over there that I'm like, okay, I don't want to be that, but there's yeah. some people way over there I'm like, definitely wanted to be that idol. Yeah. All right. So, sp- sp- you said you lean right. Yeah. You had a really cool opportunity, um, recently, um, to meet the current governor of South Carolina. Yes, correct? sir. So, who's up for re-election? Henry yes. McMaster. What was that experience? So that was an opportunity that I originally got. Uh, he was originally supposed to come to Gaffney to Daddy Joe's. And I heard about that through the Cherokee County GOP chairwoman mm-hmm. uh, messaged me about it and wanted me to do some advertisement for it. I did that. He ended up canceling to go on Fox and Friends. 
So I was a little I bummed about that. I understand how Fox and Friends is a bigger deal than Daddy Joe. That's I was like, South Carolina. do you not know who we are? Yeah. But yeah, so that happened. I was bummed about that. But my mom uh, found out that he was going to be at the Beacon and Sport and Bulk. So I the went. The second most popular. Why do all politicians hit up Daddy Joe's and the Beacon? Because that's where all the people are at, I guess. That's where the people They are. think that's where the most vulnerable are at. The most vulnerable? Yeah, they're at the Beacon, they're at Daddy Joe's. Listen, you go eat a chili cheese of plenty and you will be vulnerable. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. So you went to the Beacon and saw Henry McMaster? I did. It was him, Harvey Pilar, Josh Kimball. I actually went with the guy that is running unopposed for the first time. He'll be elected state representative. Who's that? Uh, Brian Lawson. Brian Lawson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw his yeah. stuff uh, I went with uh, him. And it was him, the lieutenant governor, secretary of state, and uh, the sheriff in Sportenbalk. And it was at the Beacon bus stop. They came off the bus. Uh, me and him, me and Brian welcomed him in, shook his hand. Then I went and sat with mom, and he went up, and all of them spoke. It was about an hour long, and got mm-hmm. to take a picture with him and speak to him very briefly afterwards. Very cool. Yes, sir. So did you get that opportunity through Brian? Or just you just being there had the opportunity to shake his hand? Everyone got a... Okay, so afterwards, he did a little photo op. Anyone could take a picture and yeah. talk to him. But the original, when I was able, the reason I was able to shake his hand when he was walking off the bus is because all the delegation went out and spoke to him. I was actually in a big mm-hmm. group picture, and I was the only person in that picture that wasn't elected. You just snuck in? I didn't sneak in. I mean, I, I was with him. I said, if anyone asks, just tell him I'm your chief of staff. That's <laughs> all right, so here's, I have a very serious question. You okay. met the governor. Yes, sir. Is his accent real? <laughs> I was so disappointed because it was not as strong at this event as it is on TV in Paulson. Are you serious? I was so disappointed. Like, you feel like he turns it up? I feel like he turns it up on... Maybe either that or maybe the microphones pick it up. Maybe it's the old fault. Maybe the, the microphone, microphone can't make up an accent. Okay. This man, because yeah, it, his it's so, like, what is that? Charlestonian? It's, like? it's Charlestonian. Uh, it's kind of that, you know, uphill... You know, we're more like this. And then you go down there, and it's more like, you know, people call him, sometimes affectionately, sometimes a little bit more uh, disrespectfully, uh, Falkhorn Lakehorn. Yeah, I was and it's about right. to say that. And it's right. It, I mean, he does kind of have it's that, very... boy, I say, I say. <laughs> and I, uh, my dad's family is originally from that area, Somerville, yeah. all that. So they kind of have that accent. So I recognized it. Really? Yeah. So... But you feel like he turns it up when on prominent stages to kind of embrace that aura. Or maybe I just had a bad seat. But yes, that's essentially what I'm saying. Oh, no. Like, I'm quoting you. This thing's going, um, that's interesting. Because so many people make fun of it. Yeah. And say that they feel like it's a bit artificial. And I guess it's not artificial. It's just enhanced. Yeah. Like, it is who he is. But maybe yeah. he, he leans into it a little bit. He, uh, well, it's like, I think I do. I think everyone does that. Like, if I'm around, like I said, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a very country person. But if I'm around some friends that is, mm-hmm. you know, I, I might, you know, throw in, a, you know, a good old boy, boy, and I tell you what now. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, or if I'm around, you know, somebody that isn't, I might do whatever that is. You blend into your surroundings. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fu- So. Now, I'll tell you who else fakes an accent. Joe Cunningham. Oh, Joe he Cunningham? He fakes his accent. I'll, okay, can I be honest with yeah. you? I have not consciously heard Joe Cunningham talk. 
It I sounds don't, like I don't watch TV a yeah. lot. Like I know there was wasn't there like one where he's like walking down a staircase or there was there was one when he's had a football field holding a football it. but there was no reference to football in the commercial. <laughs> it's like you were doing that because you know we love football down here in uh, South Kekalaki. So I I don't even know what he sounds like. What is Jeff he? Say? I mean, you could pull up a video later if you want. It's like he sounds he 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 has a thicker accent than me that I think's real, but he also. If you look at him, he he's, he he sounds exactly what he looks like. You know, slick back hair, good looking guy, but uh, he looks like a guy that spent his whole college career drunk. Well, he did, which means he's here for a good time. Yes, and I'm okay with that. I just think it, I don't know that it'd make a governor or not. Yeah, I don't. Those, I think there's a good difference between wanting to hang out with someone and wanting them to be your governor. Because like his like his main two things is legalizing marijuana and legalizing sports betting, which I don't have a direct problem with. But at the same time, it's like okay, we have a tough economy. That's your right? biggest concern. Yeah, we have a tough economy right now. Yeah, crime is not great. I think those are other issues that we should focus on than those two things. And I think he, the reason he does that, and I was actually talking to the uh, state rep on my show yesterday about it. <clears throat> He's appealing to the libertarian voters, even though he is very liberal. And uh, he's appealing to the moderates. But at the same time, if you just watch him from two years ago when he was in Congress, he was not pro-libertarian. He was very anti-libertarian. So he's adapted his views to become more marketable. Yes, which is what everyone does on both sides. But overall, he is much more of a... He knows where he's at, and he knows that the only way he's going to win is if he does that. And even then, probably not. So how do you feel about... Because this kind of connects you. You want to be involved with politics, absolutely. So I, I'm a little jaded, right? Yeah. And so maybe this is the counselor in me, the social psychology. I feel like, to a degree, successful politicians. To be a successful politician, you need votes. Yes. Right. To get votes, you need buy-in from the people. Yes. To get buy-in from the people, yes. you have to care about what they care about. Yeah. So when you look at like on a lower level. You can believe whatever you want, and it's not as big of a deal, right? Or yeah. unsuccessful politicians, Absolutely. Right? You, can vote, you can believe whatever you want. Nobody votes for you. Yeah. How, how much do you feel like to be a successful politician, you just have to believe in what the voting base wants you to believe in? And how often do you feel like it's actually not true to who they are as much as who they feel like they need to be? Um, I'm going to say 80% of the time that's 80%. what it is. Because here's why. Statistic fact. Yeah. I'll give, I'll give you two examples. I'll give you a Democratic example. I'll give you a Republican example. Okay. Joe Cunningham is doing that right now. Two years ago, he was in Congress. He lost. He, they they flipped his seat last in 2020. Mm-hmm. But what he's doing right now, he is mm-hmm. he was a total liberal authoritarian. Wanted a lot of. And I know that's kind of strong language, but like power. He, yes, and and control mm-hmm. more than anything. The big but, government. But yes, big government. That was his whole thing. <clears throat> big government. Not a lot of federalism. But now what you're seeing now, is... Now, if you can get everybody high on weed, then they'll let you have all the Exactly. Power. You, that's you, a exactly. good strategy. And that's what he's doing. And now he's appealing to the total opposite of that, yeah. which is libertarians, you know, he's looking everything through the lens of freedom, which is, you know, hey, if you want to, you know, smoke weed, do that. If you want to bet on sports games, do that. If yeah. you want to... And then the thing is, like, even through abortion, you know, Hedwig Mastall is, you know, very you know, strict on abortion, but he did it. He didn't look through the lens of... You know, I'm for abortion, but it was more of freedom to, you know, the phrase, you know, 
control what happens with your body. That's correct. And so I think that was an interesting thing. Another example, Adam Laxalt in uh, Nevada. Okay. He's the Hold on. I have never heard this name, but I'm not into politics. So what is his position? Who? Nevada. Oh, Nevada. Well, he was the attorney general, so he's running, but he's running for Senate. For Senate. Okay, United States Senate. Yes, and there's okay. a very good chance that he that, that seat is going to flip. To and, him? Yes, and he'll win. Okay. Because right now it's a Democrat, but there's a very good chance. I think we have the best ch- Republicans, meaning I think Republicans have the best shot at flipping that race. And here's what he did. If you come around here, and even in Georgia where they're trying to flip, you can be very pro-life in Georgia, and most people will agree with you because they have strict abortion laws. But in Nevada, they're a little bit more uh, uh, pro-choice than that. So he's portraying himself as a pro-choice, even though he has a background of being pro-life and being opposed to abortion. Mm-hmm. But because he knows that they're not going to elect someone that's pro-life in Nevada yeah. nine times out of ten. The voting base needs him to yes to be that. Yes. Does that make sense? So how do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel about the fact that... Okay, because honestly, that was probably one of my biggest criticisms with Donald Trump. Yeah. He was like the least amount Republican of anything. But basically, I felt like what he did was, amongst a lot of other crap, but like I felt like what he did, though, was he just ex- adapted. The, once he realized that he could be a, a legitimate contender. To be president. To be president. He could win. He just said, okay, what do rub- Republicans need me to be? Yeah. And right, so here's the pros and cons. Regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, like, yeah. right? Like you, 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 this would be true for anyone. Yeah. Like on one hand, I could see the Republicans being like, I don't care what you actually believe as long as you're willing to honor what you say that we believe. Because yeah. that still gets their agenda done. Yeah. Even if he doesn't actually believe it. Sure. But then part of me is like, you're a con artist. Yes. Just to get into a position. Because I felt like that was Donald Trump. Like, he just became the view that he needed. Like, if he felt like he could become president by becoming a libertarian or the Green Party, or if he thought he had a legitimate, he would become whoever he wants. Because his goal is not authenticity and conviction. It's power. I would almost agree with you, and but here's, here's what I think. He's changed parties a lot. He ran, a lot of people yeah. don't know this, he ran for about 20 minutes in 2000 for the Reform Party's nomination. 20 minutes? About Yeah, that's an exaggeration, <laughs> of course, but that's hyperbole. Okay. But what I'm saying is he's changed parties a lot. He was a Democrat a lot of times. He was a Republican before he was a Republican this time. He was an independent. I think we they were in a stage where Republicans were just so sick of Obama that they wanted that, and he recognized that. Mm-hmm. So the whole he was, drain the swamp thing. Yes, it just, Which, it, it, people loved it. People loved it. So it's like you have people. I think his some of his strong supporters are in the South, mm-hmm. and they're kind of more country. Okay, well, what makes you think that someone from New York that's been a billionaire businessman his whole life understands your needs as right. a poor Southern farmer or blue collar? But see, that's okay in a way, because ultimately you're not there for your principles. You're there for your people's principles. Yeah. So that's a that's a pro and a con for me. But at the same time, you say he was the least amount of Republican. Let me tell you this, Morty. He governed like a Republican. Yeah. He had conservative policies when he was in office. No, no, that's and that's where I'm like. Yeah. Th- that's fine because this I would have a bigger problem if he if he went out and like 
peddled his wares saying one thing, but then when he got the power, he flipped. Which is what a lot he, of people he thought. He at least he stayed consistent. Like, he, he did. did what he said he was going to do, even if, not for a minute, do I believe his beliefs are more than skin deep. Yeah. At least he, he stuck to the line for the most part. If you look at, yeah. at real, like, the drain the swamp people, they would say he brought in a lot of the swamp and he didn't really drain the swamp. Like, you can get into the weeds on that. You can. If you're a political genius, you would argue with me. But generally speaking, he towed the party line for them. Most of the time, yes. And here's the thing. I give part of, when you're talking about in that specific situation, I almost give the I don't care that that's happening thing. And here's why. Not because I'm ignorant. But because I really don't care what you think, I care what you're doing. Yeah. So if you, you can, as long as what you're actually doing that actually is taking action in the real world, if that's what you're doing it, okay. Is it yeah. honest? No. But you know, in the 2020 election was so it was so interesting because you had both parties and both sides were just so fed up. The Republicans had four years of a president, but they were still. They they wanted more, and Democrats were just crying because he had just shattered their dreams. So I think what it kind of boils down to is Biden was the same thing. You can't deny what I'm about to say. He was for segregation in 1972. Mm-hmm. He's not now, and I believe that. He is always, he was a lot of the kind of, you're ending the Strom Thurmond Democrats, mm-hmm. kind of the more tail end of the civil rights movement in 70s. I love how you go from that in 72 to 2008 being the vice president to the first black president. Mm -hmm. So I think Biden has always been whatever the Democrat Party is. Mm -hmm. They were much more on that side with people like uh, George Wallace in the early 70s, but they totally shifted to this, you know, kind of the ally of the minority in a way Mm -hmm. and kind of the helping you out. But if you look in the 80s, uh, he was the Democrat Party of the 80s. In the 90s, he was the 90s. And even now, well, well uh, 10 years ago, he didn't support gay marriage. Mm-hmm. But now he does. Mm-hmm. Because the Democrat Party changed. So and I'm like not going to get off of the day, tangent, but yes. He's whatever the party it is. Does it matter? I guess there's, yeah, like you said, there's pros and cons. As long as he's willing to toe the party line, yeah. that's what they need him to do. Yes. He's just the current face. He's. They're all just puppets. Yes. They're all puppets of the party. Yes. But On it both amazes sides. me because if you got any of them out individually, none of them individually would say, yeah, I'm a puppet of the party. No. Um, and either they just aren't willing to admit it or they're all blind to it. Yeah. Because each of them never doesn't see that they're all part of this bigger like organism. They have to. They're not stupid. Yeah. Um, they're not. <laughs> they know so, what they're doing. I didn't mean to get off on a tangent. No. Yeah. No, you're, you're great. So where do you feel like, okay, so you've, Admit it, like you're conservative, you yes. lean Republican, you're involved in the Republican Party. Yes. Like, where do you feel like those values came from? Like, what made you decide the Republican ideal best represents me, right? So, like, living in the state of South Carolina, yes. it's a red state. So, yes. you're surrounded by more po- Republican ideology than Democrat ideology, yes. just truthfully. Yes. And then also, just being uh, a Caucasian means you're also probably more around more other people of the same belief system. Yes. Based on how the, the parties tend to break up. Yes. Right? And so you have a tremendous amount of social influence around you telling you that those are the correct beliefs. Yes. But what made you decide for yourself that, no, 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 like, I believe in these beliefs regardless of societal influence? Yeah, so that's a wonderful question. 
But before I tell you what did it, I'm going to tell you what didn't do it. Okay. Everything you just said. I tune out everybody who's telling me what I need to think. I do. I do that with everything. But here's what it was. I'm going to tell your parents that you do not listen. That's That's what you just said. (laughs) I completely tune out everything I'm told. When I'm I'm told what to think about issues, yes, I do. So what I do is I think this. If I was, I truly believe that if my, that if both my parents were pretty toe the line Democrats, I would be in the same position because I don't, or I do to some extent because everyone does. I don't get my beliefs from what other people tell me and necessarily always from my surroundings. I feel like one thing that if I ever did one for office would really be a stronghold of mine. I can see, I don't necessarily agree, but I can see where other people can come from. And I can I think I can walk in their shoes sometimes and see, you know what? I see why they think that. Right. So what it happened for me was I think growing up, it did have a part of it because both my parents were Republicans and I did kind of just kind of fall into that, you know, ideology. And I didn't see a problem with it. But I always want to be the most ironic conserv- conservative or the most ironic Republican that I can. Okay. Like, the reason I am isn't for what you think. It's for this. I see common sense policies overall in conservatism. I see good economic... I see... Okay, I see better... I feel like conservatives are better with the economy than liberals are. I feel like they're better... I feel like they have more common sense and better solutions on crime than the other side does. But that's me looking back and stepping back from it. So I always, and I kind of had a bit of a, I'm going to use an interesting word, deconstruction. Okay. About eight months ago from it, because I realized that, you know, maybe just what you're saying, maybe what I believed, it's not that I didn't believe it, but maybe I believed it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. So I really had to see, okay, what do I believe and why do I believe that? So now today, if you were to ask me what I believe, I'm not just going to say Republican as if that's just to check a box. I say I'm probably more fiscally and economically conservative, but more socially libertarian, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I actually, no, 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 no. Like, I respect that. Yeah. I um, Tear me down now. Huh? <laughs> Go ahead. No, because there's a there's a saying I use. I use this a lot of time in faith. Like, faith is the same thing. Absolutely. Right now, are faith and politics on the same level? No. No. But there's some principles that have crossover. Sure. Is I tell people all the time, I respect the heck out of somebody that believes differently than Absolutely. me, but can tell me why. Yes. I said, I have no respect for someone that believes the same as me and has no clue why, because all that person in is brainwashed. Yes. There's no, like, it, it like in, in, in the context of faith, I'll be like, do you actually have faith if all you're doing is repeating what you've been told? No, you don't. Right? In the same way, like, as we talk about politics, like, are you really a conservative or are you a liberal or whatever? you know, ideology you adhere to, are you really that if just the people around you were and you just start peddling their wares? If you, yeah. If you're, no, yeah. you're, you're a parrot. Yes. Um, with, you know, versus I respect the heck out of somebody who can say I'm conservative or my ideals most align with yeah. the Republican Party for X, Y, and Z or my ideals most align for the Democratic Party for X, Y, and Z, and they can explain it yes. and give me an intelligent reason, I respect that a lot. And yeah, and one of the most disappointing things <laughs> I think is I'm doing that because I feel like I, I'm, that's what I want to be. Because I know some conservatives who can't tell me why they're conservatives. I know, so, well, because mom and daddy, they always vote, 
you know, yeah. or, uh, you know, I just, you know, chomp. That's a one word answer sometimes. I'm like, what the crap does that even mean? <laughs> and then I can do the same thing with liberals. Well, I just believe, and I just believe everyone should just get along and be nice. And oh, I yeah. just believe in, you know, choice and freedom. Or here's one that I can't stand. I had a professor that, like... Like that's their reason. Yes. And it's like, so okay, so because your professor is a liberal, you're a liberal? Or because your professor is a conservative? You're, because your mom's a conservative, you're a conservative? Yeah. So I think... Like well, own your crap. Know what you're talking about. Absolutely. And I have friends that are liberal, and I love them just as much as I love my conservative friends, if yeah. that's how close we are. All right. Here's a question for you. Go ahead. What is one belief that liberals and Democrats have that you fully love, that you think they get right? That you want me to give one that liberals and Democrats have? Right, because you've just admitted, like, you are you tend to be conservative. Yes. You tend to align with the Republican Party. Yes. Right, not exclusively. So then, like, you said, I try to put myself in the shoes of other people. What's one thing that you think they get right that the conservatives drop the ball on? <clears throat> That's a difficult question. I'm not going to lie. I think I think overall they know how to appeal. Yeah. They know how to appeal. And if you want to sort an ideology, um I feel like they at least come across as really caring about you and wanting to help you. Yes. I feel like they get you in. I think about people like Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders yeah. is a, you know, a socialist. And self-proclaimed democratic socialist. That's not a conspiracy theory. Yeah. But <laughs> that's not me making that's that up. Facts. <laughs> but uh, he'll tell you. Have him on. But one thing I understood about him, if you watch it, I watched him during the Democrat primary debates. Everything he said came from the sense of because you deserve a better life. Yeah. And Obama did that. Obama is the greatest politician ever, in my opinion. Really? Yes. Do I disagree with him on everything, on almost everything? Yes. But he knows how to play politics, and he knows how... He's an eloquent... Eleg- he's a great speech speechwriter, great yeah. speaker, and he knows how to play the game of politics. He knows how to pass legislation. <coughs> he knows how to get things mm-hmm. done. When he passed the Affordable Care Act, that was against all odds, but he did it. Yeah. Because he understood the game, for whatever reason. Yeah. All right, so this is where... Okay, so again, people with strong political opinions can shoot holes in what I say all day long. Yeah. But I've, I've said this for a long time. Obama, okay, so Trump, most people, most conservatives agreed with whatever, you know, whatever line he was telling, right? The conservative Yes. Deal. And most people can agree that he was a horrible human being. Like, he, like his moral code, he didn't have the best moral track record. You know, he tended to be pretty harsh unapproachable like as a person he wasn't anybody's favorite inappropriate inappropriate right and so what i've what i've kind of laughed at is like obama is the opposite is like a lot of people may have dis- a lot of conservatives may have disagreed but like i'm gonna go ahead and tell you like i would have never wanted to have a conversation with trump like i don't feel like i could have i never feel like i could have had a one on one but obama you don't have a conversation with trump you have <laughs> You listen to Trump. That's correct. I feel like I could sit down with Barack Obama, and he would make me feel like a human being. Yes. No, like, there's a lot of people that'd be like, "That's because he's the Antichrist." And blah 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 blah. Stop. Stop. Right. Like, I feel like he's a genuinely nice human being. 
right? Like you may disagree with his politics, or you may even say that was that was his shtick. Like he knew that, but everybody had like whatever. You can overthink yeah. it, but I feel like he's a. I feel like he's a nice guy. I feel like I'm sure to his <laughs> friends he is a kind human being. I feel like he's not very honest. Okay. But I the reason I think that is because he does the same thing and everybody does this in politics on both sides. But what we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. he knows how to pander to the more he knows how to pander to the young, you know, more lefty people. He knows how to pander to the more, you know, classical liberal, you know, yeah. uh coming out of the Great Depression Democrats. And he knew how to walk with the establishment politicians. Yeah. That's why he was able to walk with John Boehner on some stuff. Because he knew John Boehner yeah. because that was who he was around in the state Senate. But I kind of feel the same way about Obama as George W. Bush. Oh, yeah. 2000. Like, nice guy. Nice guy. That, But I feel like he leaned into that. Like, yes. he knew that, like, you know, they made fun of him because he always stumbled over his Bush words. Bush yes. The Bush and stuff. But, like, I think he used, like, that was part of his shtick. Like, in the same way he used, uh, Obama used his articulate speech and, and yes. like human nature to to benefit his party. Absolutely. I think George Bush probably used that to, he, he looked like just a blue-collar guy that everybody could relate to. He's just a southern hunter who likes to go shoot quail in yeah. the afternoons in his Texas ranch. Yep. He was raised in politics. Yes. Like he was not His dad was the Joe. vice president and president. However, to this day, I feel like if I saw George Bush, I think he's a genuinely nice human being that I could walk up to and sit down and he would treat me as a human being, you know? Yes. Um, I feel like he would too. And I feel like Obama would. And let me tell you something. I could, I'll be honest. Almost every single president prior to Trump is probably, I mean, even if I saw Bill Clinton sitting there, he would probably, oh, man. He would yeah. probably be nice. To, you know, I don't he feel would. like he's like a mean human being. And let me tell you something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend Trump for a second because I've seen, I know, I understand his, from somebody who's never met him, I feel like I understand his personality very well. He okay. has moments where he is totally inappropriate. He has moments where he is rude and mean. But I have seen a lot of moments where he is respectful, where he is kind when no one was looking. Uh, he treated the veterans wonderfully, better than they'd been treated under any other president, I would probably say. And I think, here's the thing. But whose fault is that? Is that our fault for not seeing his soft side, or is that his fault for making his harsh side so Both. dramatic Both. that it was almost hard to see the good side? Both. It's, your, it's our fault for not seeing that side of him. But it's so hard to when he's coming out and he's saying all of these things. Yeah. Whether I don't love him. I don't love his personality. If I feel like overall, I feel like, you know, to his family, I feel like he's one of those people. And you, and you could probably understand this better as a counselor and someone mm-hmm. who studied psychology. Mm-hmm. He has a deprivation of loyalty. A deprivation of That's a great line. Yes. That's and here's why. He's gotten betrayed so many times in his early life yeah. that that's all he cares about now. And he got betrayed or not betrayed so many times during his presidency. Mm-hmm. All he cares about is loyalty. Are you going to stand for me no matter what? And it's if, if you will, then cool. But that's one of my beefs with him a lot of times because he attacks a lot of people that I think are good politicians, if that's such a thing, mm-hmm. just because they go with him on one thing. I'll give an example. I feel like he was on the net. I feel like he was, a, this is just my opinion. 
I feel like he was a net positive president. Okay. From what he did in office, I feel like he was a good president. Ever since then, he's lost a lot of points with me. Yeah. And yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's just, I don't, if, just, if that's like just he's me been glowing. On a, a two-year pity party. Yes, he's had a two-year pity party. And let me tell you something. He about announced he was running last night on the eve of the midterms, and that would have been a terrible and selfish decision. How do you know this? Uh, it's just fact. He had he held a, re- a rally in Ohio last night, and oh, okay. he was going to announce it. Uh, all of his allies and all of the people in his circle were telling Benny Johnson, who's a political commentator, all that he's announcing tonight. He about announced in Pennsylvania Saturday night, but he's going to announce November 15th. So take that to the bank. So <laughs> what I'm saying, okay. if he did that, and, and the once, show's going to come out before then, so yes. people are going to be able to know that you've just projected good or prophesied that November fifth. What what gave you that date? He said it. He <laughs> said he said last night. I don't want to take away from JD Vance, but we're going to have a very special announcement coming out on November fifteenth at Mar-a-Lago. You're going to be very happy. That's a pretty good. That was pretty good. That's off the spot. I haven't that probably done it in trumpy. six months. Yeah. <laughs> But what I, on a serious note, what I found troubling was Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is someone that I'm not a fan of. Yeah. Uh, you know who that is. Uh, yeah, I've heard She of that. comes out and she says, I'll tell you who I'm a fan of, Ron DeSantis. He's my president Ron for DeSantis, 24. Florida governor? Yes, that's my president for 24. Yeah, 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 yeah. I pray to God he wants, even though Trump is. But if he comes, he comes out, she comes out before the show or whatever, the consult, whatever you want to call it, the speech. And she goes, I just want to tell everybody, I want to tell Ron DeSantis and all you strong Republican governors, you better not run. It would be political suicide if you run. This is his race. It's for him. It's, it's only his race to win. And I'm, I'm watching her. I'm going, what the crap is wrong with yeah. everybody? First of all, she goes, it's his party and it's his race to run. It's not his party. Yeah. It's everybody who claims to be a Republican's party. That's right. And if I'm Ron DeSantis, I'm going, you know what? Bump that. I'm running anyway. Yeah. Because the party is more than him. Yeah. But it's so funny because two years ago, he was supporting Ron DeSantis. And now it's, if there's even a thought that he might run against me. And he hasn't Cut said throat. he's running. Destroy him. Yeah, he goes uh, Saturday night, Ron DeSanctimonious. So, so here's what here's what drives me nuts. Yes. And I get it as much as I don't. Yes. Every time there's a political election, it becomes... This is like this is the biggest election that humanity has ever seen. No, it's just the next one. <laughs> it's uh, it's like this is the biggest one. Like the whole world is is a found like America will melt if the right decision is not made. Right? Like I don't know how many people told me that like legitimately I thought Barack Obama was the antichrist. He has come, he is gone. He's living a nice peaceful life in the suburbs of Chicago or wherever he lives. Yeah. Like, Martha's Vineyard, but yeah. Okay, Martha's Vineyard. Like, nobody's dead. Like, it's like life goes on, right? Like, maybe he moved the go- the, the needle uh, in a direction you didn't love. Um, but, like, w- the world goes on. Like, we're okay. But if you were alive during those times, it's like, this is the most important thing ever. Yes. And then what they do is they destroy each other. Yes. Like, and so, in the fight for the Republican nomination, or in the fight for the, like, they destroy, I mean, they make fun of their mamas, yeah. their kids, like, I mean, wasn't it Trump that was criticizing- Ted uh, Cruz's Ted wife. Ted Cruz's wife. Saying she's ugly. Like, Nasty like woman. how inappropriate. Very inappropriate. And, I would have slapped him if he said that about my wife. But then, the moment he gets the nomination, he's Everybody got loves Cruz him. stumping for him. Yep. 
That's po- that is politics in a like, nutshell. It's almost like we can destroy each other in the name of politics, and it's okay. Yes, and that's, we want to know why we can't get rid of bullying in high school. Exactly because that's because it's true, top to bottom. I think it runs downstream almost because that's a perfect example. He treated those people. He was he attacked them violently, and they attacked him too. Yeah. But when it was all over, Ted Cruz was one of his most loyal allies in yeah. the Senate. Well, and that's the thing is they know. If I want to stay relevant in the movement, I have to just suck it up and eat it. And that's a blessing and a curse too, because for postal reasons, it's quite degrading. Because it's like, okay, this guy disrespected my wife two weeks, two years ago. Yeah. But now I'm going to support him. But you have to look at the other side of it as, okay, was that guy a joke to my wife? Yes. But at the same time, he's going to be a good president for this country. And I'm not making decisions for me and my wife. I'm making decisions for the country. And if I have to look past that to help our country, then I'll do it. But you see it on the same side in 2020. Kamala Harris accused Biden of being a segregationist on the debate stage. And then she brings him on as vice president. And then she's the vice president. She goes... I was one of the false students in California post-civil rights to have uh, integrated busing, and you wanted to stop that. Six months later, she's the vice president. Yeah. How do we get there? Yeah. And probably the same thing as happened in 2016 with the Republicans. You're more knowledgeable than me. Sure. Like, we talk about the movement of the Republicans, the movement of the Democrats. The movement, yes. Like, it's almost like these people are pawns. Right, they're the, they become the heads. Of, it's like somebody sits down and says, "All right, Joe, like you're going to be the face. You're the, you're the nominating person, and we want to pair you with this person." Like he's not deciding. No. Okay. No. So here's my question: Who are the real string pullers? Like who are the people that are in that back room that their their faces are not out there, their names are not out there, but they are that that person that says we want to see this happen. <clears throat> I'm only, I'm deciding if I'm going to give you if I'm going to make a joke that I know is going to be a joke for just like a split second. If you ask some people to say, "Well, it's the deep state, the globalist." Right, right. That's exactly but, right. Yes. Okay, but in actuality, uh, it is the lobbyist. It is the people at the ONC and the DNC. Mm-hmm. It is the people in those circles. It's the campaign managers. Now, with that being said, do the candidates and do the elected officials have say in what goes on? Yeah. Absolutely. But I think, but at face value, they would say he has. 75% say in who his running mate is, but he's going to take into account yeah. the opinion of others. And I would say it's probably the opposite. Yes. Like he has to agree to it, sure. He has to agree to run for president. He has to agree to all these things, sure. But I would say his influence is probably a quarter, and the influence of the RNC or the um, the DNC, the influence of the lobbyists, the influence, ultimately the people with the money. Absolutely. The people writing the checks have far more influence than anybody else. Yes, and it's the mega donors. It's the right. mega donors. It's the lobbyists. They all have say in what goes on. And it's just like, is that honest? No, not really. Is it fair? Definitely not. Because I'm not voting for a lobbyist or a mega donor. I'm voting for, you know, Morty Heidel, Camden Clark. I'm not voting for, you know, some, you know, sure. 93-year-old banker. So this is, all right, so one last thing I want to say. We've only got a couple minutes left. Can I ask you one more question yeah, before we do? Go ahead. I've asked you all the questions. Okay, I know. One. I just want to say, since we're asking a lot of questions and I'm giving a lot of information, yeah. typically, I feel like you know me well enough. Where do you stand? Where do I stand? Yeah. Okay, so I'm stepping thi- on your toes. This is really funny because this is exactly what I want to transition to. 
you, I don't know if you meant to or not. The last time I was on going places, shortly before I went on like a five minute rant, yeah. that was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> that was in hindsight. Very memorable on this show as well. Oh my goodness. It was, I, you know, you know something honest? What? I have not went back and listened to that episode. Because I'm so embarrassed to hear about my random five-minute rant. It was fine. Because, now, in my head, it's going to be one of two ways. I'm going to listen to it and be like, okay, that wasn't as bad as Josh made it out to be. Or, or as much as I knew it in my head to be. Or, I'm going to listen to it and say, this is way more embarrassing than I even realized. And so, I've not even went and listened to it. I thought it was fine. I had no okay, problem with it. thank you, Kim. And so, I've been But him. you called me out. Yeah. I don't know if you overtly called me out, or, but anyway, you said. Do you remember what you said to me? Okay, I didn't. I didn't call you. It was out about specifically. not having opinions. Yeah, I didn't call you out specifically. Yes. but I was thinking of you and a lot of other people when I yes. said it. Here's one thing, and you can do an entire podcast on this, but to keep it short and simple, stupid, uh, you have, and a lot of other people in the church because you are a Christian, That's and correct. because you are in ministry at some That's level, correct. you want to reach everybody. Yeah. And we are in this really love-hate, or not even love-hate, we're in this really tricky, walking-on-needles relationship, the churches with politics. Mm-hmm. Because for so long, we were just hard Republicans. And just, you know, think about 1994, God, guns, and gays. Mm-hmm. That's what the platform was. So now we're in this state, especially po- post-2020, where we're wanting to be so moderate and just be so, oh, everybody's, mm-hmm. you know, great, get along, you know, you got to see past that, that we're becoming extreme in that moderation. Right. So you're really standing for, no- not you, but they are really standing for nothing, but standing for something at the same time. Yeah. And I get why they do it, but at the same time, there's been almost a discouraging, a discouragement of even people in the church partaking in politics. Right. Where it's like, and they're being chastised for you know one way or another but at the same time it's it's actually doing more harm than good because when i hear someone say i don't do politics or i don't like politics i don't watch politics this is what i hear it's not a sport it's not nfl you don't have to watch it you don't have to like it you don't even have to follow it Mm -hmm. but i feel like we all have a civic duty to at least know what's going on because Oh, I'll just wait till it affects me. That's what happens, and that's where the biggest problem is. Because by the time it affects them, it's too late, and they right. could have put a stop to it. So it's okay. reactionary. It's not being proactive. Yes. So there was a quote, and I was trying so hard to find because I wanted to quote it today, but I couldn't. It's something on the lines of, to say I don't care about politics is to say I don't care about the state of my family, the state of my country. I don't care about the uh, economy of my country or the social uh, networking of my community. That's pretty good. So that's what I think. Yes. And so with that being said. Well, so we're on going place. You said basically a, a summarization yes. similar to that. And basically. And one more thing. Oh, go ahead. Two things, just so you know. Mm-hmm. I have heard pastors say from the pulpit, we have to vote Republican. Joe Biden's the Antichrist. Yes. I've, heard, I've heard pastors who, and this is like way left field craziness, but say all Donald Trump has to do is walk in. And he's there. He's the president again. Said that six months ago from a pulpit. Mm-hmm. I know someone who I trust was at a funeral not too long ago. And the pastor said, as Christians, if you love Jesus, you have to vote straight Democrat ticket. No exceptions. Mm-hmm. Both of those things are so both extremes. Yes, go ahead. All right. So I will say that you said something. It, it, I've honestly been thinking about it ever since you said it. And it was something generally what you just said. And that is 
sometimes we so we try so hard to be to be moderate that we end up being nothing, and yes. we end up being irrelevant. Good intention in, a, in an effort to make nobody upset. Yes, good intentions. And that is literally me. That is literally it's like me and my coffee reviews. It's four point three. Yep, it's right down. The, but here's the thing, though, that speaks to the bigger the. I don't think I cannot be that. Why not? Here's. <laughs> Get up to the microphone. Why not? Um, here's here's the reason. I am in every area of my life. I'm endlessly objective, and that is my greatest strength, and it is my greatest weakness. Yes. So I am endlessly objective, and so I want to have an opinion. Yeah. The problem is, I have to be so thoroughly convinced. Uh, so I am willing to have a hard. I am willing to take a stand on an issue, if I am to my core convinced. That I have looked at the issue from every angle and become thoroughly convinced that this my belief about the issue is true to my core. Absolutely. And so I'm willing to do that. The problem is there are such few issues in life that I feel like I have vetted to the point that I cannot respect another opinion. Mm-hmm. And not by respect, I don't mean like offer respect, but like entertain it as an option. Mm-hmm. There are so few things that I end up feeling like I, with a clear conscience, I cannot take a stand because I could be wrong. I haven't vetted it deep enough. And I think that makes me a great therapist because I can sit with somebody of almost any make and model, of any belief system, of any, and respect it and understand how they got there. Even if, like, as I sit here, I may think, you know, I wouldn't vote that way. But you haven't thought about it as much as you, and I can respect that. That's me. And so I stay endlessly objective the problem is, it would be nice to have more conviction sometimes. It would. But so, I don't want a conviction without being convinced of it, just to, for the sake of conviction. Okay, so think about it like, that's great. That is a wonderful thing for you as a therapist because you do right. need that. But guess what? You're not a therapist. Right. That's all the time. And sometimes when you have to make choices, I feel like, mm-hmm. it might be better... Yeah. For you to kind of get out of that hat a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So the, I'll, I'll do my best to answer your question Just as truly as possible. Yeah. I t- it's kind of similar to what you said. I tend to be physically conservative, right? I'm a big believer in don't spend money unnecessarily on things that you shouldn't be meddling in, right? Mm-hmm. I don't love the idea of a huge government. I don't love the idea of a tremendous amount of influence. I think there's a lot of decisions the government made that I wish they just wouldn't. Yeah. Right, and so I'm I'm not a huge fan of a huge government. I, um, I'm t- I'm physically conservative, but I do have a lot of I'm not going to say liberal. That's a really strong term, but socially, what's less libertarian liber- is what liber- I said. Okay, like I, socially, um, uh, it's I libertarian call it liberal, but is call the it whatever libertarian. Like I'm more socially sensitive than most Republicans. Like that's oh I get what you're saying. Does that okay. make sense? When it comes be, to social issues, when it comes to whether it be health care or the treatment of people, like, so, like, that's what, okay, because that's the problem, is I look at both parties, and I feel like both of them offer something good, and some both of them miss out on something valuable. And so what I appreciate about the Republicans is they put a lot of evidence, like, I feel like they put a lot of stock in, like, like facts, like, this is a physical, like, common sense. Yes. Like, this helps us be better. Like, don't spend money you don't have. Like... But then I think one of the things that the Democrats tend to value, it's more of a socialist idea, like the Bernie Sanders, is yeah. it's like I really think they care about people. 
feelings. It's facts versus That's feelings. That's correct. And I think both are important. Both are important. Like, do you need your feelings to run the show? Frick no. No. But can you be so focused on facts that you're like, this is the smart decision and everybody's lives are ruined? Yes. Like, I think yeah. both have to be taken into consideration. I agree. And the problem is, that's a middle. That's yeah. a middle ground. Yeah. But it's not a middle because I'm, I don't care. It's a middle because I can't differentiate myself from one side to get to an extreme. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And I think the world you all look... Okay, I think we might be a little bit different socially. Just don't call me a rhino. Oh, my gosh, no. If No. No, definitely not. Anyway, uh, libertarians ultimately believe... There was a libertarian party. Yeah. I have friends who are in that. Ultimately, they believe that the government should be out of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be pro-life and be a libertarian. You can be pro-choice and be a libertarian. Yeah. I'm a pro-life libertarian socially, but at the same time, where my social opinions kick into more is some things where, you know, especially as a Christian, it's like they always had big opinions about gay marriage. Mm-hmm. My view on that, I think the Bible is pretty clear what it says, but at the same time, not everybody's a Christian. I feel yeah. like those are choices. I feel like those kind of social, moral choices opinions that everyone should make for themselves we don't have to go down the trail but that's a really good that that applies to whether it be abortion um gay rights any of these things look it's not like you there's a whole conversation about like i can be pro-life but pro we're not going to tell we're not going to make a firm decision on it sure does that make sense? It's Absolutely. Like, An objective final say decision. And yes. so it's like there's there's just so much complexity to it. Yes. That I can't just say, boom, I am this. Sure. Because to say I am this means I'm co-signing on some stuff I really disagree exactly. with. And, that's and that me. goes on all all different sides. Yes. Um, so I want to end with this story and then we're going to wrap up. Go ahead. Let's so go I think Did I, I told. Okay? Yeah. Great. So there's a story and I, th- I may have shared it on this podcast before, but I preached this past Sunday and... Um, and the passage that I talked on was Romans chapter 14. And what's really funny is it's in a passage where Paul is talking to the Roman church where different ideologies are existing, a Jewish ideology and a Gentile ideology and how, anyway, I won't get in the nuts and bolts of it, but he's basically preaching tolerance Yeah. when it comes to non, um, f- like first tier issues in mm-hmm. the Bible, we need to tolerate different perspectives. Sure. Right. And so as I was thinking about politics, there's this. So I was at a, uh, a I had a, I was at a, a discussion and Trey Gowdy was the panelist, right? Very very conservative Republican. Yep. There had been rumors about him running for president at different times. But anyway, he lives here locally, Met and him, like yeah. he told this story about how a good friend of his, um, Dennis Kucinich, who is a Democrat in yep. Ohio, mm-hmm. he said, "Let me tell you something." He said, "Dennis Kucinich is one of my best friends." He said, that man loves Jesus. And he said, and we could not disagree anymore politically. He, and, and I remember him telling the story because what he said was, he said, if I needed anything, if anything ever happened to me, he said, one of my first calls is going to be discussions. And I know that man will be there for me. And I know that when we die, we're going to celebrate in heaven together. He said, but even Beautiful. though we have the same faith, he said, we couldn't disagree more about how you live that faith out politically. Sure. And he said, so even though we have the same core beliefs, we have completely different applications of those beliefs. Mm -hmm. And to me, that 
I really respect the fact that somebody such as Trey, and and to me, but that's the, the that's the heart of my my moderateness, and that is. At my core, there's some beliefs that I hold tightly, and I yeah. have friends that hold those same beliefs tightly, and yet I see them lived out in totally different ways. And I think God calls us to tolerate the fact that you cannot just say the only way to live out Christ is through this political line. Oh my gosh, no. And Absolutely. That and anytime you choose a political line, there is part of it that I think God is very honored by. And there's also some things that I think he He cares about that we miss. Yes. And then the same is true on the other side. There's some things that I think God is honored by. I think he He is honored when, say, the Democrat, they care about people. But then I think he's probably wishes things were different with some of their other beliefs. I do. And I think that he would probably be honored with the fact that he feels like the Republicans care about some of the facts and in and, 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 going with that and then on the flip side he's like yeah but you can't lose track of people in the process and so like to me it's like we have to do we have to care do we have to have an opinion do we try to live out our faith or allow our faith to inform our beliefs politically absolutely but I think we also have to have some tolerance we're so quick to cast judgment when another person claiming the same beliefs and having the same beliefs but see it lived out differently and I think we do a really bad job of recognizing that and offering respect and we do a really good job of saying if you're not like me then I judge you and criticize you and immediately question the character of who you are as a person amen that bothers me amen so that was a beautiful illustration thank you <laughs> That really was. Absolutely. That helps me. So, all right. We got to wrap up. We're out yeah. of time. So, Kent, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This was, yeah. I, when I got the text, I was literally so excited. I was so excited that I didn't read all of the text. Because <laughs> if I had read all the text, I would have heard you say Tuesday at 2. That's correct. And because I your immediately follow-up was, when are we doing this? And I was like, well, he clearly didn't read the first text. No. No, that's cool. I was actually going to try to call Josh, but we're out of time. So yeah. forget Josh. Thank you for having me very much. It no, was an I honor it. and I appreciate you. And we want to have, you know, we're going to have you and Daniel back on the show. Great. And, um, but I think this was, this was great for this week and the topic that's within the country and within the state this week. Great. And so hopefully other people, you know, glean at least some thought. Sure. I hope it. so. I hope so. it gives them something to think about. And I was just honored that you would consider me for this topic that yeah. you think of me enough for that yeah so thank well, you going places podcast check us out that's thank right you. go check it out um all right until next time y'all y'all behave yourselves thanks for joining us on another episode of tnj don't forget to check out the links to any of our guests in the show description and check out tattoosandjesus.org for additional show information or to submit your questions comments or curse words <laughs>